0: Coming to you from the Morningstar Mission sponsored studio, this is Carl and Crew Mornings. Helping you take your next step with
1: Jesus. That's what we're all about here, Allie.
2: Do you, uh, have you ever counted your steps? Have you ever worn a, some sort of a tracker? It's funny
1: that you say, oh, steps. I thought you were meaning steps with Jesus. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I, I have. Do you still have your step tracker?
2: Oh, I do. And uh, my daughter wears one, too, so she's always... Uh, trying to compete with me, That's which It's never even a competition. Just, mom, how, how are your steps doing? Oh, I'm somewhere around uh, 3,400. I have 11,000. <laughs> it's always way more. So well, mom doesn't take nearly as many steps in a day as my active 13-year-old.
1: All we need you to take today is one giant step. Just one. And we've got
0: some content that will help you do that. Start your day with a boom. You're listening to Curling Crew Mornings. You know, the interesting thing
1: about the Iditarod Trail Race is that there's obstacles out the wazoo. You can imagine.
0: Oh,
2: yeah.
1: You've heard me tell the story many times, Allie. What are the big obstacles on the Iditarod?
2: Oh, wow. The, the length of the race.
1: Okay, the length.
2: Uh, The elements. I mean, you're running for days, days and days on end through snow and ice and all everything in between.
1: Distance. Elements, right on.
2: Uh, your own physical body and your dogs, the health of your team.
1: Health of the team, right on. That's excellent. Own physical body for sure. You know what the biggest battle on the Anditarod? What's that? Between the ears, no. man.
2: Yeah, I'm sure there's many temptations to just quit.
1: Oh, there's temptations galore to just quit. I mean, around every corner. Or just take a diversion. Or stay in a checkpoint too long or go when you shouldn't go. Remember, yeah. I had that wise counsel leaving Shaq Tulek headed yeah. for Koyak and the, the the elder of the village told me, Carl, don't go. I'll never forget it, man. I mean, that echoes in my head still. How weird is that? I yeah. was 18 years old. And yeah. I still hear. It was a big moment. Carl, don't go. I'm sure you heard it a lot when you were out on the Oh, yeah, I man. I was <laughs> like, I didn't know losing that guy. Because I thought I was a dead man. honestly did. Yeah. You see, here's the thing. We don't have to be freaked out by this. But when the Holy Spirit is speaking to us, what a blessing. Yeah. Because we have an opportunity to respond. But what do we find at the end of the last verse of the book of Judges? Why was Israel hurting?
2: Judges 21, 25 says, in those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes.
1: The greatest enemy of the church, the greatest enemy of the family, the greatest enemy, greater than all the forces of evil. And you might say, is that true, Carl? I've got a resource for you that takes this exegetically through there, and it is beautiful. A pastor from Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, phenomenal article. I think it's titled The Greatest Enemy of the Church, and it is epic. But the greatest enemy of the church, the greatest enemy of the family, the greatest enemy of self is, and that keeps us from great freedom, is self.
2: Yeah. It's, we are our own worst enemy. We are our own worst
1: enemy. I mean, how many times have we seen the stories of people that superseded the environment that they were raised in and got mm-hmm. victories in their life? Yeah. We have huge power that's been given us, both in natural law. Yep. Right? Yeah. And in supernatural law and the new covenant by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we asked a question here. And we're getting some good response.
2: Yeah, we asked you, what is that thing that the Holy Spirit is telling you to do or not do? that if you followed through, you'd get some real victory. We've got responses. uh, Be consistent in reading his word. uh, Spend even more time with him in prayer. uh, Follow a healthy food plan. Speak God's truth and word over my life and stop speaking negatively. And this one, listening to Carl and crew while walking on a treadmill instead of laying down in bed. These are
1: little, but they're huge. How can little things
3: be huge in our life, guys? How can they? I think our day is built up of a ton of little things, not three big things, you know? So every moment we have a ton of little choices to make, and that is what consists of our day and our life as a whole. And so the little things, maybe one, just doing one doesn't feel like a big change at first. But it will have big impact the more you keep that little change happening and the more little changes you make. It's so true. Yesterday, I was getting ready
1: to go to a meeting, and I looked down at my phone, and I thought, I wonder how far it is to walk there. Mm. So I mapped it. It said, if you leave now, you'll be one minute late. And I thought, I can walk faster than this phone says walking speed is. Sure. And then I was faced with this choice. We've all faced this. You know exactly what it feels like. You're sitting there and it's like, what am I going to do? Moment of decision? Yeah, moment of decision. And in an instant, I even told my bride later, I just agreed with the Holy Spirit and I said, let's go. I put on a raincoat and I got up and I went walking. Now, when I was at the meeting, I had an option. I had an offer for a ride home. But I'd already told the Lord, I hear your voice. I'm going to walk back. And in a moment of, for me, great victory, because it's true, Young Thunder, these little victories, they are weird little things. Yeah. Oftentimes we think I've got to set the world on fire today. I've got to do this. I got to become this worker outer that's, you know what? Yeah. You know how you become a worker outer? Today, This workout.
2: Yeah, this today. <laughs>
3: Exactly.
1: And so I put on my, and I looked outside and it was raining pretty good, but I had a raincoat And I thought, my jeans will get a little wet. Let's go. And you know what? I had the sweetest prayer time walking home. Sweet. It was the sweetest prayer time. I'm walking down a sidewalk. No one's outside. So I'm just talking to God out loud. Just rattling off. Just chatting with him. Man, it was awesome. Guys, sometimes we have thought the greatest enemy is Satan and demons and people that are being used by Satan and demons. According to Scripture, and Ali's got another one for you here, greatest enemy is ourself. It's just a reality. Coming up, we got a resource for you that you are going to absolutely love. This is, this is dynamite. It's hard hitting, but it's dynamite. We'll get it to you. Make a, change. a lot of truth in that. The-, the interesting thing about the greatest battles that we face, we know that we've got battles and spiritual realm battles. We know that we've got words that rattle around in our brain from reckless parents. And all parents have had a reckless moment, so no one's immune to this. I don't care how great the parent is. there's are going to be moments where we screwed up. All parents come into this world going, boy, there's things I want to do that my parents did, Maybe and things I don't want to do. Yeah. And guess what? When you have kids, they'll say the same thing about you. (laughs) It's so true. It's so true. So we got to get over ourselves a little bit. And let me read an excerpt from this link that we're going to give you. Friends, the greatest threat to the church is not ISIS or Planned Parenthood. It's not Hollywood. It's not atheist professors who ruin the faith of our sweet Christian college freshmen, parenthetically, who must not have. Been truly Christian in the first place if they fell away so quickly. That is true, by the way. And the greatest enemies are not secular politicians and Supreme Court judges or greedy corporations who hurt the poor and destroy the environment. These challenges are real. The reality of babies killed, chopped, and sold to scrap metal is evil. And the Canaanite general Sesera, and he was evil, who oppressed the people of Israel cruelly and raped captured women, was evil too. However, it was the people of God, it was when the people of God, quote, abandoned the Lord and served the Baals and the Ashtaroth, Judges 2.13, when their faith lost its purity and fidelity and when internal, not external, idolatry became pandemic that the cookie crumbled. Hard-hitting truth. It really is. Now, here's the hope in this thing. On this Freedom Friday, I'm going to tell you right now, we've been talking about loving your enemies all week long, but here's one enemy you can no longer love. And if you woke up kind of in love with it, you got to break it. We can't love ourselves. We can't do what is right in our own eyes. And in this new covenant, we have the power of the Holy Spirit to guide us. This is why we talk often around here about being aware and alert the power of the Holy Spirit and what he's saying in this very moment.
2: So then is the, we certainly don't want to hate ourselves, right? We don't want to love ourselves, but what's the.
1: Knowing who we are in Jesus Christ and our identity that is in him, submitting our will to him, because that's the reality. We all have free will, even after we're born again and filled with the Holy Spirit, we have a free will. And the only question is, and by the way, how do we know we can't love self and that it could be the greatest enemy? Take up your cross and follow me. Deny yourself. Self-denial. Did you know that it is the gateway to authentic faith?
2: Right. We've talked about that before, that we think that it's something that we one day as a super saint arrive at this point where we can deny self.
1: Yeah. It's actually Christianity 101. So... Self-denial and self-loathing are two different things. Self-loathing is out of the pit of hell. Self-denial is a victory banner that Jesus raised for us. It's a powerful thing, guys. So we got a resource for you right now.
2: Yeah, if you want this article from Desiring God, uh, Carl just quoted from it a minute ago, just text the word enemy and we'll send you the link. Text enemy to 312-274-9624. Enemy. To 312-274-9624.
0: Whether it's number one or 100, take that step with Jesus today. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings.
1: How easy is it to get cynical about the church? So easy. Very much so. Oh, man. So I went through a tough deal a lot of years ago. I've gone through two tough deals that could have made me really cynical about the church. More than that. Come on, I'm a pastor. Are you kidding me, Carl, <laughs> yeah.
2: too? Okay, maybe a few
1: more than yeah, two. Yeah, a few more than two, but two big ones. Okay. And I came back from Africa, and I was going through a really tough time. To the point where I'm I'm sitting at this church worship service, and in my heart, I'm like judging everyone on the stage. Mm. And by the way, if you're that person, don't do that to yourself. Can I just tell you that right now? Don't be that guy. Don't be that gal. You know why you're the biggest loser in the process? You're losing. To, to to sit back and to be cynical and even have a hint of self-righteousness and I'm not judging you. I'm just I'm just warning you. Don't do it. Yeah. Cuz it's it's empty carbs, man.
2: And it it's it robs you of the joy of being a part of the body of Christ. Yeah,
1: it rips you off Kind of just end
2: up being like a, like you know, remember Roger and Ebert? Roger and Ebert. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They go and How you do you remember up. that? Yeah. They, and you would say so they, they were famous movie critics. And yeah. so they'd go and they'd watch a movie and then they'd write their thoughts. Don't be that at church where you show up and you sit back and you go, well, I like this. Don't really like this. Eh, this was okay. I'd give it a C+.
1: Yeah, it's not It's not healthy, man. Not it's just not to healthy be a part of
2: the church, man.
1: I mean, do, are there things that we look at and evaluate? Absolutely. Yeah. But even if even if you leave, don't leave stomping like you're trying to get mud out of the cleats of your hiking boots. I mean, just everyone needs to chill out. So yeah. I was in that mode where I'm like, I was judge and jury on the church. At large, writ large, man, everything about it. Just, and it was about a two week period. And my, my bride, I'm pretty newlywed. We got two little teeny kids, man. And my, my bride said, after the fact, she said, I felt for the first time what it might be like to be married to an unbeliever Mm. because I was so ticked off that I was kind of checking out. So it was about a two week stretch. My buddy who was best man at my wedding, Joe Galindo, he called me up. How you doing? Said, not good. What's going on? So I shared the whole story with him. And he said, Carl, stop. <laughs> You're gonna let a few people that have done a couple of stupid things steal your joy? Is that the Carl I know? Mm. Now you get up tomorrow morning after a good night's sleep. You crack open your Bible. You get back on your knees and start walking with Jesus. Those are his exact words. Wow. He says, this is garbage. This is garbage.
2: And so what he was telling you (laughs) in that moment, had those things happen, the the betrayal or whatever it was that caused you to be bitter, He didn't even address those things. No. But what he told you is basically you're living beneath your call. Yes. What God's extended to you. You're living beneath that. So let's get back.
1: You know what Joe did for me? He held up a mirror to my face and said, how's this looking, big boy?
2: Mm.
1: How's this looking? You got a good man when you got a friend like that. By the way, Joe was not given to that kind of behavior. I was the Type A guy. Yeah. But he got up in my grill. That's What
2: you needed that t- that day?
1: Oh boy, it shocked me. Truth be told, I'm like on the phone going. At first, I was ticked. In my heart, I'm like, because we'll be you want to the friend
2: to be way. like, yeah, get those guys. <laughs> they have no right. Look what they've done. The, By the church way, man can't trust them. Yeah, you're right, Ellie. Yeah, it, but those friends are a diamond. I know the commiserating. That I'm going to heap on whatever it is that you say. I'm going to back you up. And we want loyalty and friendship for sure. But we also want friends who are going to tell us, hey, there's another way of seeing
0: this. New to the show? Stick around for a while. We're Carl and Crew Mornings. Special guest with me right now, I call him the Gospel Man.
1: He's the 10th president of Moody Bible Institute, founding pastor of New Life Community Churches across Chicagoland, by the way, newlifechicago.org. If you're looking for a church, there might be one of these near you, newlifechicago.org. Pastor
4: and Dr. Mark Job. how you doing, young man? I'm doing great. It's the end of the year. We're uh, looking forward to uh, celebrating the birth of Jesus, the Christ in a massive way and excited to see what God will bring in in this new year. Yeah, that's great. Year end giving. There's a lot of talk about this,
1: but the reality is, let's just break it down. There are some practical stewardship advantages to making year end gifts and there's spiritual impact that can be made. Give
4: an appeal for Moody Bible Institute, Mark. For many ministries and non-for-profits, December is the most crucial year in their budget. Moody is no different. December is a critical year because a lot of people at the end of the year decide to give a year in donation. By the way, I love that about America. This is true not only of Christians, but non-Christians alike that we tend to be a a generous country. And so the end of year is a big time for all of us. And Carl, I I believe that the Bible says that wherever your treasure is, your heart will be also. And so I think that our money follows our heart. There's a lot of great, important causes out there. But you know what unites what we call Moody Bible Institute? Moody Radio has programming across the nation, in Africa, other places. Moody Publishing, 3.5 million books a year. Today in the Word, almost a million subscribers to that. Yeah. We have our school. We have our aviation. What unites all this is at Moody is the priority of the good news of Jesus. It's the gospel. Yeah. Yeah. We prepare people to live on mission, but what has started this ministry 137 years ago is the gospel of Jesus Christ, started by an evangelist. So I think there's no higher cause to give to than the advancement of the gospel. Amen. Yeah. And so your treasure goes to where your heart is at. If your heart is in the gospel, if your heart is in the good news, evangelism, seeing people come to Christ, knowing the good news of Jesus proclamation, then I I'm hard pressed to think of a better place to give for the priority of the gospel, than Moody Bible Institute. And so I unabashedly, unashamedly appeal to you at the end of the year. Would you give a year in gift to Moody Bible Institute? We will squeeze all we can out of it to let people know about Jesus. If you don't believe in the gospel, if that's not a high priority, if that's not something that you say I'm committed to, then do not give to Moody because we will use your money for the purposes of the gospel. <laughs> that's so exactly just warning you in right. advance. Just warning you in advance. We know where
1: this cheddar is going. Oh, that's great. Mark Job. I love you, brother. You're a good man. And uh, thanks for soldiering shoulder to shoulder with all of us here, not being above anyone, but just uh, being a good servant leader. We love you, Mark. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Love you guys, too. Carl and crew, thank you again for what you guys do every single morning and wake up at those. I should. I want to say godly, but maybe they're (laughs) godly godly hours. hours. (laughs) Godly hours in the morning to help minister to a lot of people. Hey, have a great December. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Yeah. Thank you, Mark.
1: Listen, if you want to give this end of year gift, we'd love for you to be a part. Text GIVE to 312-274-9624. Get a link. Let's go, Boom Crew. Let's do it. Let's have a revival of gospel and fund it in a big way. Text GIVE to
0: 312-274-9624. New to the show? We're glad you're here. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Come on, man. Grab that, that there podcast up. That's right.
1: We haven't done you gotta that. Got to do it. You got to get the podcast. While. You got to get the podcast. Snapshot yeah. testimony. The way to get it is text word SNAP, S-N-A-P, to 312-274-9624. I'll tell you what I love about Allie. She's a journalist who loves to tell people's stories, and she does it in a great way. And they're stinking inspiring, man. I mean, these are really great stories. Yeah. And she uh, draws some pretty cool stuff out. Some of this stuff's quite shocking, Allie. What's the top trending podcast of yours?
2: Uh, the top, I'll give you the top two, uh, just the titles, the top two episodes that are most downloaded. I Thought I Was Born Gay. It's number one, and I Met My Wife in Prison is the number two downloaded episode. <laughs> I can what understand.
1: A, what a great couple of titles. <laughs> awesome. ah, that it, is great. It, you are
2: intrigued by the titles. Text the word "snapped" <laughs> 312- <laughs> oh, 9624 Promise not an oversell. These stories. Yeah, they're epic. I get to hear them, and my mouth is wide open going, that is amazing.
1: Yeah, that's mm. so cool. Really good stuff. Text the word SNAP, S N A P, to 312 274 9624. By the way, give this stuff away. Be blown away how encouraging this can be for folks. All right, Young Thunder, break it down, my man. When we think of return on investment, why did you get passionate about this story with the woman at the well? Give Uh, the context first.
3: Yeah. So this is from John chapter 4. Jesus and his disciples take a detour on their journey through Samaria. Now, this was uh, culturally surprising. Because Samaria, the Samaritans and the Jews did not get along. Uh, The Jews didn't like the Samaritans. The Samaritans didn't like the Jews. Uh, Samaritans were a group of people who came from uh, mixed blood. So Jewish people got together with some people from the other nations, and the Samaritans were born
1: from that. Yeah, actually, the Assyrians, when they conquered from the north, they came in and they intermarried. In fact, that was a common tactic to dilute or destroy the culture of another culture. Was to...
3: Inner Mary. Yes, because and now just, your culture is for yeah, the Assyrians. Yeah. And so, so the Samaritans are born, and, and pure-blooded Jewish people didn't like them. So this was culturally surprising for Jesus to have wanted to go through Samaria, but yeah. they did. And his disciples go off, and while they're off, Jesus is sitting at a well where a woman shows up. And he does not have a pitcher for water. So he asks her, you know, can I have some water? And from this conversation about water, Jesus ministers to her. He tells her that he is the living water, the water that if she drinks from it, that she would never be thirsty again. And first she's thinking this guy's talking about (laughs) physical water. And she's like, well, why are then you asking me for water? But as they get into more of a conversation, she perceives that Jesus is at the very least a prophet and she wants to know more. And Jesus says, Hey, go bring your husband back. And she said, I don't have a husband. And Jesus says, you're right about that. You've been married five times and the guy that you're living with now isn't your husband. And she's shocked by this. And through the conversation she realizes this is the Messiah This is the man who God has promised he would bring to bring us salvation. And it's because Jesus told her about who she was and what she had done. And she wasn't condemned by this, but she was excited by this. And so she runs off. To tell all the other Samaritans, and this is the part of the story that gets me excited about return on investment, because Jesus took the time to invest in this person, not just a Samaritan, but also a woman. The, the chapter says that the disciples were surprised that he was talking to a woman because it wasn't culturally acceptable. At that time, but Jesus invested in this woman and she runs off and starts telling all the Samaritans in verse thirty nine. It says many Samaritans from the town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them. And Jesus did for two days and many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe for we've heard for ourselves. And we know this is indeed the savior of the world. And that's so exciting. Pretty powerful, isn't it? Yeah. Because they (laughs) believed by Jesus's word, but they only came to Jesus because of what this woman said. So Jesus invested in one person and many were saved because of it.
1: That's called ROI guys. Yeah. And boom crew, if you think about this, this is pretty powerful. I did. What are some of the, what are some of the implications of this? Let me hit a couple here that come to my heart and let's just kick them around guys. One implication is you never know. What one courageous conversation, mm-hmm. the ripple effects it may have. Yeah. Never know. Absolutely. I mean, come on. I mean, he sat down with this woman at a well mm-hmm. and an entire people group was
3: transformed. Yeah. And Pretty I, cool. I, I think there is today application for that because it's so easy to look at the world sometimes, kind of as the Jewish people looked at Samaria, you know, they're lost, hopeless, you know, it. Never gonna be saved, that kind of mentality towards yeah. them. And it can feel overwhelming.
1: Well, then they got a they got a bunker mentality. It's like we ain't
3: yes, going through Samaria. I ain't even going there. We're but, going to North Dakota. <laughs> exactly. But you take the time to invest in one person and you can believe that God is then going to use that one person and salvation will spread. Pretty cool, isn't it, guys? Yeah, yeah it
2: really. It's is. beautiful.
3: I love that story.
4: Big Mac, McDLT, a quarter pounder with some cheese filet, a fish, a hamburger, a cheeseburger a happy meal, McNuggets, tasty golden french fries regular or larger size, of salad, chef or garden or a chicken salad, oriental, big big breakfast egg McMuffin, hot hot cakes and sausage, maybe biscuits, bacon egg and cheese or sausage, Danish hash browns, stew and four dessert hot apple pies and Sundays, three varieties Or pizza, you can sausage, just chocolate
2: get pies, involved Carl,
4: there we You're go so...
1: again you <laughs>
2: Or you can
3: get like, Or really? you
1: can just get involved Oh Come boy on. No. I gotta do that oh, man. Somebody's Saying the McDonald's pies aren't what they used to be. <laughs> <laughs> I, I love that. What? I love that. They said that when we were kids, speaking of guys my age, that they were fried, and now they're baked. And somebody oh, just said, said they just yet. aren't what they used to be.
3: Huh. Oh, yeah. Baked is a different taste than fried. Nothing but. ever
2: is.
1: Oh, man. Those fried <laughs> those fried pies, man. Those things, were they were smoking hot. All right. So why is McDonald's so near and dear to your heart, Mac- Young Thunder?
3: McDonald's is near and dear to my heart because it's why I'm here. I wouldn't have been here without it. Uh, when I was in high school, I, that was my first job, and I worked there for four years. And I didn't really know what I wanted to do with my life. I didn't know what I was good at. Grill Master. Grill Master taking orders. I was good at customer service. I will bet you were great at customer service. Oh, I loved it, man. I loved customer service. You're almost like a commercial boy for McDonald's. You
1: know that? <laughs> I'm
2: surprised they didn't ask you to.
1: Oh, I'm shocked. Oh, what, aren't you, Allie? <laughs> oh yeah. Because he's like perfect. He's got the emoji boy face That's at the right. window there. How oh, yeah. can I help you?
2: Absolutely. Exactly. <laughs> Big smile. Thumbs oh, man, up. Man. Out but, the drive-through window. Oh,
1: Pete, did
3: you get tips? I, I. Not the point of the story. Yeah. Let's keep it going. <laughs> All right, so, keep the story so going. So anyway, I didn't know what I was good at, uh, so I had just decided I was like, well, I'll I'll be a police officer. That's what I'm gonna be, and I was like, I, I'll learn that. That's I'm good with it. Um. And so I was going to go to school for criminal justice. I was getting around the time where I was going to start, you know, applying for schools and stuff. And there was a regular customer that would come in with her husband all the time and they would get ice cream and they would sit at a booth together. They came in like every night and I would take their order. You don't know who
1: this person is. Never
3: knew who they were. I don't know their names, uh, but they came in a lot. I took their order a lot. And the woman would always say, thanks radio man. And I had no idea what that was about. And I say, well, you get some oddballs at McDonald's sometimes, so I'm not going to worry too much about it. I won't ask. I'll just let her call me. it. And and but she just kept calling me. It, and it had been months. And so one time I passed her and she said, hey, radio man. And I was like, OK, I got to ask, why do you call me radio man? And she said, well, I just think you have a great personality for radio. And then she said, what do you, what do you want to do when you graduate from high school? And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go to this school and I'm going to go for criminal justice and be a police officer. And I was all excited about it. And she said, can I tell you something? I said, yeah, please. And then she said, I know it's probably not going to mean much for me since you don't know me very well, but if you do that, I'm going to be extremely disappointed in you because you're wasting your talent and you need to go to a school for a communications degree and be in radio. I was really taken aback by that, but took it as a compliment. I mean, I thought it was a, a a really nice thing of her to say. I told my parents and they were excited because they didn't want me to be a police officer. They were like, Oh yes, go do radio. And <laughs> and so, you know, they said, you know, we've both been to Moody. You should you should go check that out. And my dad said, Well I'll get you out of school for the day if you go on a visit. And I was like, All right, I'll go on a visit. <laughs> Sounds like a good deal. <laughs> and and I came to Moody. I said, Okay, this is where I'm gonna go. I applied and I got accepted and then I went back, I was, cause I was still working there. I went back before I went off to school and I told her, cause she was sitting at a booth with her husband, like she did. And I said, Hey, I just want you to know that I'm going to Moody Bible Institute for a degree in communications for radio broadcasting. And it's because of what you said to me. And she said, I have been praying for you since we had that conversation. No way. Yeah. yeah. And I used to think that it was happenstance. I used to, well, I used to think that God had that conversation happen so I could get into radio. I think God had that conversation with me or used her to have that conversation with me so that my life could be saved. That That's a good. powerful statement. Young wow. thunder. Yeah, because I thought I was a Christian. If you know my story, I thought I was a believer. I wasn't. Uh, and it wasn't until I got here working at Moody Radio that I realized I wasn't and gave my life to Jesus genuinely. Mm. And so God had more plans for me than just my career. That's you know,
1: so this is a cool story no matter what, but how, how crazy would it be if that was an angel in disguise? That would be awesome. And you get to glory and find out yeah. God sent an angel to minister to you.
3: Yeah, wow. Talk about ROI.
1: Yeah, talk about ROI. Mm. I mean, one if,
3: conversation. Yeah,
1: one mm. conversation that
3: comes out of the blue. Yeah. Can redirect everything. Absolutely. At a McDonald's and Glen Ellen.
1: So here's the question. Somebody texted this in, said, did you work at the one on 53 in Butterfield?
3: I did not. I lived near that one, but I worked on the one uh, on Roosevelt Road, right next to Alfie's and Giordano's, right in between those two. I've probably taken Three a lot of layers y'all's orders. To this. <laughs> so many layers
2: to this.
1: You know what? I want to linger here and say this, though. Thank you for sharing that story. Yeah. And pleasure. thank you for being here on the show.
3: It's such a blessing. And
1: it is a huge blessing.
3: I'm, I'm thankful for the opportunity. I There's so many parts of my story that uh, things that I have received that I definitely have not deserved. Uh, I mean, you take for the fact that when I got here, my job was to just answer your guys's phone calls, you know. And so all of it. I I I know it had nothing to do with me. It was it was a God thing, and I'm so thankful that He did what He did.
0: Giving hope directly from the source. We're Carl and Crew mornings.
1: You know, I love to give credit where credit is due. I really do. Um, I do not use Chat GPT, by the way, for uh, forming sermon outlines. Did you know that that's possible now? You can use AI to build sermon notes. Yeah, which is really tragic. But I do want to give credit where credit is due. And I really want to tell you that John Piper, John Bloom, and David Matthias, all these guys are gospel coalition guys and desiring God guys. They're all good dudes. Great theologians. But John Piper's hot take on what's going on in the book of Acts just absolutely knocked me over. A lot of times when we look at the book of Acts, especially chapter 1, verse 8, and we find, let me just read it here, because this is an important passage. We find in this passage a brand new thing happening. Brand new. Listen to this. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. This is a huge pivot point in Scripture. Old Testament, the Holy Spirit would come, but it would go. That's why David wrote the song, Take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of my salvation and renew a right spirit within me. So you got to ask a question. What was the Holy Spirit going to do in Acts 1.8 that's being spoken of that hadn't already been done? But here's the real dividing line. The question is, was the Holy Spirit transforming lives up to that point in time? And the answer is absolutely. If you look at Luke 24 and you look at Acts 1:13 and 14, you find two different things that are very true of New Testament saints before the Holy Spirit came at Pentecost. They were filled with joy when they were blessed by Jesus on the Mount in Galilee They went through the temple courts, praising God. They had great worship services. They met in an upper room and prayed. They were together and unified. So there was unity. There was fruit of the spirit. There were spiritual disciplines. There was joy. There was praise. So a lot of good stuff was happening. And we know because of what Jesus said in John three to Nicodemus, that we are born of the Holy Spirit and water. So that experience they had that personal transformational experience was born in the Holy Spirit. So you got to ask the question, well, what's going on in Acts 1-8? And Piper waxes on this, and I'll just put it in a condensed form. He says, listen, there was a special outpouring of the Holy Spirit needed for the mission of the church. In other words, there was no way They were going to have a powerful witness, as Jesus says here, in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. They were unable to articulate with boldness and to spread the gospel without this power. Jesus said, wait, and when it comes on you, you will have this missional power. And we find in 1 Thessalonians 4, by the way, that the gospel came to the Thessalonians, by the way, not just in word, Paul says, but in power Mm -hmm. of the Holy Spirit in full conviction, meaning you can share the gospel without Holy Spirit power. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly the exegesis of that passage. So it's fascinating stuff. So there's a lot more to this. And. Yet, at the same time, I want to tell you, it gets really practical. So as promised, here coming up in a couple of minutes. I'm going to take you down Michigan Avenue. I had a journey with God on Saturday that was one of the coolest things in the world. I asked the Lord to give me a fresh filling as I opened myself up to him for Holy Spirit power to do something really crazy, a little street evangelism hmm. on Michigan Avenue with throngs of people in the heat of an afternoon. Oh. I'll tell you about it coming up.
0: Got to go into work? Don't worry. Check out the Carl and Crew Showcast wherever you like to stream. You're listening to Carl and Crew Mornings. Can the Holy Spirit
1: give us power to be on mission with God? And is it true that without that Holy Spirit filling, we cannot fulfill the mission that God's put before us? I'm going to tell you today, I'm absolutely certain of it. When we think about a Holy Spirit filling. And I know that a lot of times we veer clear of talking about the Holy Spirit because we've seen abuses and crazy things that happen. And But man, I'm telling you what, we neglect the power of the Holy Spirit at our own peril. And doing this fresh study in the book of Acts, getting ready for a brand new series, I was so fired up and I was so humbled. I was absolutely humbled, almost to tears thinking, wow, God, you want to work this way in us? And I've been walking a lot more lately and doing some hit training and doing some resistance training and trying to get back going again. So I'm out walking on Saturday, my bride's down at the cold conference with some of the women from church, and I began to pray. And I said, Holy Spirit, fill me up, and I want to do a really healthy personal experiment here. And I'm just, I'm going to take you at your word. You say to be filled with the spirit is both good personally, but it's good missionally. And it's Holy Spirit power that allows us to be witnesses to Sumerian to the uttermost parts of the earth. Wow. Okay, God. So I'm walking down Michigan Avenue and I'm just going, God, just prompt me by the power of your spirit. Just prompt me. And I walk on Chicago and Michigan Ave right by the Water Tower uh, Mall or whatever that is right there. Yeah.
3: Near the John Hancock. And there's these
1: two young kids out there. And they're raising money for their basketball team. They're selling water. And I get a couple of waters, two for five, one for three. Pretty good bargain water, if you ask me. And I I get those waters, and I just keep walking. Then I thought, no, there weren't too many people buying waters. just felt prompted. Let's go back, and you got time. Help them. So I start yelling. I'm at Chicago and Michigan Ave. There are thousands of people. And, (laughs) And I'm out there bellering. Hey! These young men are out here busting it in this heat because they want to play basketball. What do you say we buy some water? Oh, wow. Wow. Cheaper than Starbucks. It's exactly what I'm bellowing out there. Cheaper than Starbucks. Come and get it, guys. I mean, wallets are opening up and they're selling water (laughs) left and right. Well, the dad of these two boys or one of the boys is standing there. He's going, thanks, man, in between shuffling cash and we're getting Good money's coming in. And then he asked me, what, what are you all about? (laughs) And the Holy Spirit told me, this is a little window. Hmm. And I began to pour out my heart about what I was doing out there. He said, man, that's really cool. And I got to share just briefly how Jesus changed my life. And then I've been on this journey, just studying the word and seeing how it works. He said, man, that's that's an awesome thing. I headed out. I'm walking down Michigan a little bit further. I ran into a couple of ladies that were giving away free biblical study material. And I said, so tell me about yourself. He said, well, we're Jehovah's Witnesses. And I said, I am too. Well, I am. I'm a witnesser for Jehovah for sure. Allie was looking at me all funny in here. (laughs) Me too. (laughs) And uh, they said, you are? I said, absolutely. I said, let me tell you my story. And we had this phenomenal discussion about being born again. And, I mean, it was awesome. And by the time I left, I left them with some questions in their heart, and we had a great conversation. wasn't intended to shame or debate, just to pour out my heart about what Jesus had done for me, what Jehovah had done for me. Go down the street a little bit further and I uh, see this woman walking a dog that looked like, it was so small, it looked like a rodent with a collar on. Aww. <laughs> and, and she's walking this dog, and and everybody was making comments. And I said, man, is that a dog? And she goes, it will be. It's five months old right now. And Aww. she picks the thing up. And it was, it was cuter than a bug's ear, I got to tell you that. Aww. And she asked me a question. She said, do you like dogs? I said, oh, let me tell you something. <laughs> And I said, I used to have 50 dogs. Well, that led to a discussion of her having just gone to Alaska with her husband. Oh, wow. And they'd done a dog sled trip
3: in Willow.
1: And I said, I trained for the Iditarod in Willow. She says, You're
3: kidding Hmm. me.
1: Wow. And then she said, What in the world are you doing in Chicago?
2: (laughs) I'm so glad. Let me tell you, you. yeah.
1: Guys, it was the coolest thing. Because as we're standing at this crosswalk, I'm talking about what brought me and my bride to Chicago and what we're doing. And God just gave me story after story after story. And I thought, Lord, how amazing you are that you've given us with just one little request, all the power we need to be witnesses in this world today. By the way, I went a little bit further down the pathway And uh, I'm walking down now the bike path on the lakefront. And I'm cruising along going, all right, Holy Spirit, what do you got for me? And I'm hearing this guy behind me talking to a girl saying, you know, I'm a voice actor. She says, yeah, I know. How's that going? He goes, yeah, it's it's going pretty good. He was a really humble kid. She said, well, what would you like to what would you like to do for voice acting? He goes, "I'd like love to do Unshackled." Oh, my ears perked up because I'm like, "What?" Unshackled. Yeah. Boy. That's the yes. With Pacific Garden Mission. Yeah. And I slow down a little bit because I now I want to <laughs> now I want to snoop like crazy, right? <laughs> I'm doing Holy Spirit snooping, and I slow down a little bit, and they're just pouring out their He's pouring out his heart about how he'd like to do that. I said, I couldn't help but hearing you. <laughs> I said, I understand you want to be a voice actor on Unshackled. He goes, well, well yeah, he didn't know me from Adam. turns out he did. I said, uh, hey, I want you to take down a name. I want you to call this guy and tell him Carl sent you. He said, Carl from Carl and Crew? Oh, I said, yeah. Really? You call Phil Kwiatkowski. You tell him Carl sent you. Let's see if we can get you in there narrating some of those things.
2: Oh, that's so cool. Oh,
0: man.
1: All all I want to tell you is I believe the Holy Spirit is ready, willing, and eager to fill us up to be witnesses in very normal ways to the world around us.